Hey, howdy, hey, and welcome to the Addison Five, the new podcast for Broadway radio where I, Addison, rank my top five songs from cast recordings and different composers. Howdy, y'all. My name's Addison McKissick. I am an arts and culture writer and theater critic from Texas. Warning, my accent may pop in and out, and I apologize for that. I'm a recent graduate from Texas State University, and I love cast recordings. Growing up, I didn't really have easy access to a bunch of the shows that I kept seeing on all the Broadway news websites, and it wasn't realistic for me to go up to New York and spend thousands of dollars every season to watch the shows that I wanted to see, so I fell in love with all of them through their cast recordings. Y'all, few things make me happier than finding a cast recording for a new show and listening to it on repeat until I find something else to listen to. So, with all that being said, let's get into our very first episode of the Addison Five, in honor of his recent 90th birthday and the fantastic birthday celebration concert that has been the highlight of my quarantine thus far, the top five Stephen Sondheim songs. I feel extremely lucky that Sondheim was my first composer who showed me what theater could be. I was, I think, 12 or 13 when I came across the PBS recording of the original Into the Woods Broadway show, and I found myself watching that show over and over and over again for weeks. I was entranced and enthralled, and that show completely changed how I saw theater. The day they took it off Netflix broke me. It was so sad, but I hadn't heard anything from Into the Woods until then, and because of it, I made a rule with myself that I wouldn't actively search out Sondheim music so I could experience his work within the context of the show. With that being said, my list is going to be a little basic for all y'all real big Sondheim fans, but hey, you do what you do with what you have, and we mainly only get the more popular and approachable Sondheim shows like Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, and Company. But I know for sure that I'm going to want to revisit this episode after I see more of his shows and experience more of his music. So, let's get into it. My number five choice for best Sondheim song is Not Getting Married Today from Company. I love two things in this world, songs that make me feel like I'm floating, and patter songs. For me, what makes a patter song good is extremely high stakes. These characters have to feel like they are in a life or death situation somehow, or else it just doesn't have that same impact. And that is what makes this song so good. Amy is in a tizzy about every small reason why she shouldn't marry Paul and tie herself down for the rest of her life. And in the lyrics, she literally says that a wedding is where everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I've ever heard of, because forever is, well, forever. And it's a daunting thing for Amy to commit herself to one person and in a way kill the life that she was living before and bury it forever so that she can promise the rest of her life to Paul off topic, but can I give just a huge bravo and a thank you to every person who can perform this song, because being able to, one, get the words out at this insane pace, two, have them make sense, and three, put actual emotion and acting behind it is something that I will never be able to do, and I appreciate everyone who can. Anyway, it's one of the best patter songs out there, and that's why it's my number five choice. Listen, everybody, look, I don't know what you're waiting for. A wedding, what's a wedding? It's a prehistoric ritual where everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I've ever heard of, which is followed by a honeymoon where suddenly he realized he's saddled with a nut and want to kill me, which he should. Thanks a bunch, but I'm not getting married. Go have lunch, because I'm not getting married. You've been grand, but I'm not getting married. Don't just stand there, I'm not getting married. And don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Go, can't you go? Why is nobody listening? Goodbye, go and cry at another person's wake. If you're quick for a kick, you could pick up a Christening, but please. 
on my knees. There's a human life at stake. Next up, number four, we have Unworthy of Your Love from Assassins. What I love about this song is the juxtaposition between the melody and the lyrics. Sondheim lyrics are in a league of their own, and I think he shows off what he does best when he's able to use very simple language and elevate it, which he does flawlessly in this number. Melodically, it's a nice ballad that honestly could belong in almost any show, but the lyrics are what set it apart. The idea of this sweet melody that swells into this big, bombastic, lovely song, but has these dark lyrics of fanatic and insane love, of ripping hearts in two and crawling belly deep through hell and dying for someone. Y'all, this song is the heart of the show because it perfectly illustrates just how far people are willing to go for the thing that they want. And for these characters, it's killing the president to show Jodie Foster and Charles Manson that They are worthy of the love that they so desperately want, but honestly, we'll never get. And that is why it's my number four. Baby, I die for you. right along to number three, we have yet another song from Company. I love it, you love it, everyone under the sun knows it, Being Alive. This is such a fantastic 11 o'clock slash closing number. We see Bobby take everything that he's learned from his friends and his significant others, and he's deciding that he wants to take the leap and risk being hurt and having his life completely altered forever just to be able to be in love. Because he says being alive isn't being alone, and gosh, everything about this song is so immensely human. It's granted a very simple song in comparison to other Sondheim numbers, but the emotional punch that the Bobby has to give this number is stunning and makes up for it tenfold. I first heard and fell in love with Raul Esparza's version of the song, but I have tracked down and listened to as many versions as I can find because I love seeing different performers take on this song. And yeah, while I haven't heard Katrina Lank's version, I am so incredibly excited for her run as Bobby because after seeing what she's done in the band Visit and even in the 90th Celebration concert where she sang a gender-bent acoustic version of Joanna, which was brilliant, I know she's going to put so much heart and emotion and to this number. I am completely ready for this version to be my new favorite because she is just that good. Like I said, what I love most about this number is that it's simple and it's sweet and it relies on the actor to sell it. People say that Sondheim writes music for actors who just happen to sing and this song I think is the perfect example of that. It's truly only what you make of it. And it shows us that not every song has to be a huge belting number or have dance breaks, costume changes, or all of that craziness because sometimes the most stunning pieces of musical theater is a simple song with real human emotion behind it. Somebody crowned me with love Somebody forced me to care Help 
Technically a cheat because it's two songs, but since we're going by cast recordings and it shares the same track, I am counting it. It is Your Fault in the Last Midnight from Into the Woods. Again, y'all, we have a patter song with Your Fault, and it is a joy because it is the comedy number that we desperately need by this point of the show, but it still has this dark underbelly of these feelings of anxiety and anger and guilt, which is very Sondheim. And being the only five characters left, These characters just need to blame someone for everything that has happened. And what I love about this song is that Sondheim has set it all up so that everyone is at fault. If Jack didn't go up the beanstalk again for the harp because of Little Red's teasing, then the giant wouldn't be dead. But if Cinderella didn't throw away the bean from the baker's wife, the giant's wife wouldn't be down here causing havoc and killing people. But if the baker's father didn't steal the beans from the first place, the house wouldn't have been cursed and the entire show wouldn't have happened. But if the witch and her mother didn't grow the beans, then none of this would be an issue. It is the Russian nesting dolls of songs and the fact that these characters are putting this puzzle together at this breakneck pace to try and keep themselves free from the blame of the deaths of, if I've counted right, 13 people so far in the story is delectable. No, yes it is, it is. I guess. Wait a minute, though I chopped up the beanstalk, right, that's clear, but without any beanstalk, then what's queer is how did the second giant get down here in the first place, second place? You, yeah, how? Well, who had the other bean? The other bean? The other bean? You pocketed the other bean. I didn't, yes I did. So it's yours? No, it isn't, because I gave it to my wife. So it's hers? No, it isn't. Wait a minute, she exchanged that bean to obtain your shoe, so the one who knows what happened to the bean is you. You mean that old bean that your wife, oh dear, but I never knew, and so I do, well don't look here. So it's your fault. But See, it's her fault. But she didn't and it isn't mine at all. But what? Well, if you hadn't gone back up again. We were needy. You were greedy, did you need that head? But I got it from my mother. So it's her fault then. Yes, I'm not the harp in the third place. The harp, yes. And then, once they decide to saddle it all on the witch in The Last Midnight, we have her taking it while simultaneously calling all of them out on their crap in a way that only this character could. My favorite thing about this song is her word choice. She just saw her adopted daughter, the only person in this world that she really cares about, be stepped on and crushed to death, so she's using words like squish and smash, and not to mention her last curse is leaving them alone, because to her, being alone is something to be feared. She was alone before Rapunzel, and then once she had her, she's begging her to stay with her, and y'all, this poor woman is exhausted, and I don't blame her. Also, can I just say, Bernadette Peters was robbed of a Tony nomination for this role. Bernadette, for me, is who I think of when someone says a Broadway diva. I don't think Patty, I don't think Ethel, no Barbara. For me, it's Bernadette all the way, and that is thanks to this role being the first to truly introduce me to this sort of quote-unquote diva role. I'm the hitch, I'm what no one believes, I'm the witch. You're all liars and thieves like his like his son will be too Oh, why bother? You'll just do what you do as the last midnight So goodbye all Coming at you fast midnight Soon you'll see the sky fall Here you want a bean? Have a 
have another bean. Beans were made for making you rich. Plant them and they soar. Here you want some more. Listen to the roar, giants by the score. Or you can blame another witch. It's Lala. Moving right along to number one, we have what is perhaps one of the darkest musicals in the Broadway canon, Sweeney Todd, and my pick is Epiphany. Now, if I'm being honest, I used to sort of just listen or just skip over the song, but then I saw a video by Sideways on YouTube called How the Music Spoils Sweeney Todd and Why That's a Good Thing, and my entire relationship to the song changed. This number is a masterclass in orchestration. We have this madness motif for Sweeney permeating this entire song, but then it's also completely driven by the Dies Irae, which is the song that we use as shorthand for death in music. Killing, death, and madness are what's driving Sweeney from now on, and not to mention we have this moment of the string screeching out what sounds like that psycho theme over Mrs. Lovett trying to calm him down, which is just such a fabulous and smart addition because it keeps the audience on their toes and makes them scared because we've come across this noise before and we know what accompanies it. Murder and killing and blood and it's so brilliant. And not to mention, he goes from saying that he's ready to kill everyone to Morning Lucy with a melody that sounds far more like Alms Alms than anything Sweeney has sung thus far in the show, and then he's back to threatening to kill people pretty much all in the same breath. Y'all, this is a man who has lost his way and is clinging to the one thing he has left, which is his ability to get revenge on the people and the society that put him where he is. I also love the fourth wall break where Sweeney is threatening the audience. Normally, I'm not about fourth wall breaks unless there's a narrator like Into the Woods or Man in the Chair from Drowsy Chaperone, or if it's something like Drood where the entire shtick is audience participation. But this wall break is chilling and honestly terrifies me every single time I see it done. All in all, This entire show isn't building to, spoiler alert, Sweeney's death or the cathartic moment where Sweeney gets to finally kill the judge. It is all building to this song. Every musical idea, every breath, every motif, every lyric is building to this moment where we see Sweeney finally lose what little grip he had on what little sanity he had left. Who said? You, sir? No one's in the chair. Come on, come on! Sweeney's waiting. I want you. You, sir? Anybody? Gentlemen, now don't be shy. Not one man, no, not ten men, nor a hundred can assuage me. I will have you. Even as he gloats In the meantime I'll practice on less honorable throats And my Lucy lies in ashes And I'll So we have our number one choice, Epiphany from Sweeney Todd Two, Your Fault in the Last Midnight from Into the Woods Three, Being Alive from Company Four, Unworthy of Your Love from Assassins And last but certainly not least, number five, Not Getting Married Today from Company These are the Addison 5 top Stephen Sondheim songs, but I want to hear from you. What are your top five Stephen Sondheim songs? What show should I just bite the bullet and listen to? What do you want to see me talk about next? 
You can tweet at Broadway Radio or at me. My handle is at Addison McKiss, A-D-D-I-S-O-N-M-C-K-I-S-S, and let me know. And before we wrap all this up, I just want to say a big thank you to the Broadway Radio team for taking a chance and welcoming me into the family. I've been wanting to make a cast recording podcast for well over the past year, and the fact that it's finally happening is just so incredible to me. And I would also like to thank all y'all for listening. Of course, thank you, Stephen Sondheim, for the amazing music. Uh, Happy birthday. And I cannot wait to talk about my favorite cast recordings, my least favorite songs, and everything else under the sun with y'all in later episodes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope y'all are staying safe and staying healthy. I'll talk to you later.